0: Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, GR mom, joined as always by G your dad. Hi. This week, the cocktail of the week is not a cocktail. We are drinking, or rather, I am drinking Wolfers Dry Rosé Cider. Wolfers is actually a winery, I found out. They make wine. They grow grapes. Mm. Um, they're in New York, but they also make cider. They have a like a regular like white one, and which is good, and they have a rosé, which is my favorite, and then they've got a red one. Which is very grapey. It's a little too strong for How me. How do you make
1: red apple cider?
0: I think they actually must put grapes in that. The rose apple cider is made from like red fleshed apples, but I think they might put some grape skins in the red cider. Um, it's not bad, but the rose and the white are like really dry and delicious. I tried like the Angry Orchard rose, didn't like it. Too sweet. Yeah, it tasted a little artificial. Nothing personal to them or people who like it, but this stuff is delish. Wolfer's Dry Rosé Cider. They're <laughs> not even a sponsor, but uh, I'm plugging them because I like them. So uh, that's what we're drinking tonight. Let's see. Uh, I guess what we're going to do today on the podcast. Well, first, we have Ghostbusters on in the background, like the original. We're looking at Venkman on the screen. So good. Venkman on the floor.
1: Also Bankman. Yes, yes,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, they're about to cross the streams.
1: I thought you said don't cross the streams.
0: Yeah, well, desperate times call for desperate measures. (laughs) And uh, so I thought we would start. We'll give you the health update on Maggie. Um, Though we're recording this like a week before you guys are going to hear it because GR Mom is traveling for like 10 days. I don't think we're going to have time to do it. So hopefully...
1: You may see me feeding the girls.
0: Yeah, there'll be a lot of GR Dad snaps Mm -hmm. uh, in the week actually leading up to when you hear this podcast. That's why I'm going to Chicago and California and Florida. And I'm very stressed about it, but it's going to be fine. Anyway, hopefully the Maggie situation will not have substantially changed by the time you hear this. So last we updated you on the podcast, we thought she was having some back problems because we got the wagon for her because she can't walk very far. And if you, saw the snap that turned out that's not what it was. So we took her into the, to a specialist who's a neurologist to see if it was like arthritis or her back or what was going on. Slip
1: disc was a theory I think.
0: Yeah, it was. And, uh, and he was great. he's like, well, she looks like she's walking fine. And I was like, can we walk around the parking lot? Because like, we'll get half a loop around and then she'll sit down. And of course she did. He like did his full exam, like kneeling down in the parking lot. Like he was great, tested everything. He pretty much knew exactly what it was, but did the test to confirm it. And what she has is called an aortic... uh, My brain, I'm so tired. Let me just back up a little bit. I haven't slept for two nights. This is my third day with, like, basically no sleep. And one of the things that my brain is not remembering is uh, the proper medical term for the... (laughs) Aortic thromboembolism I have been struggling with all day, which is normally... A phrase I can just spit out. Anyway, she has an aortic thromboembolism. It's a very fancy word for a big, giant blood clot in her aorta, which is the big artery that leaves from your heart. Um, In dogs, it goes from the heart towards their back legs, and then once it gets to the back legs, it forks, and you have your femoral artery, so one in each leg by the femur. That's the big, giant vessel. And you'll see when you take your dog to the vet, they take their pulse in their back leg, and they're doing that with the femoral artery. It's a big giant artery, and uh, it's basically the aorta branching off. And so Maggie has a blood clot that starts in her aorta near where it branches, and it extends down into both of the femoral arteries. So there's kind of like a Y-shaped blood clot, uh, 100% blocked, no blood flow getting to her back legs from the femoral arteries, which is the main place that it gets there. So She does have some blood flow in them. Otherwise, they would not work. Um, But that's coming from kind of smaller vessels that have routed around it. Um, This is not good. It's super rare in dogs. Cats get it more often, um, but it's really rare in dogs. And the guy that we were seeing was a neurologist who doesn't really treat this. And so he referred us to an internist who we are going to see the beginning of next week, or when you're listening to this, we will have already seen him. Her, actually. But I did some internet research and it's not good. Uh, Dogs who get this, basically the prognosis is they usually live a couple months. Sometimes it can be longer, but there's essentially nothing to do about it. Um, She's on Plavix, which is like an anti-clotting thing. So people who have like a deep vein thrombosis or a pulmonary embolism, those are blood clots. Um, And sometimes people are on strokes. There's all kinds of different medicines that you can give them to. Help their blood not clot, but you don't want to give them too much because then they'll just bleed out, and so it's super dangerous to be on those. She's on Plavix, which is a safer one, but the you know the basically like even if this clot were to dissolve, and this is a big one, they seem to come back. There's something that caused the clot to happen. They don't just sort of spontaneously happen, and we don't know what that is. So it could be heart failure, it could be kidney failure, um, because when the kidneys start to fail. They don't filter out all the protein. And one of the first ones that they don't filter out makes clots. Though Her kidneys look fine. We don't know. It could be cancer. We don't know. And it kind of doesn't matter because there's nothing that you can really do about it. Um, They can't go in and surgically remove the clot because when they do that, basically, the dogs die because there's some other, you know, they have pretty severe heart disease, but by the time they get this. So we just kind of hope for the best is essentially it. Um, I can be factual about this now because Jean, G- G.R. Dad and I have had our crying about it. And I was crying today when I was in the vet with her. And the good news is she's not really in any pain now unless we make her walk, which we don't. That's why we got the wagon. Um, it seems that in the end, this is a really painful condition. And so our main focus is on just making sure that she's not in pain. And when she is in a lot of pain, then we know it's time. But, uh, so far, you know, just around the house, she's still strong. She goes up the stairs, she jumps on the bed, gets on the couch, does her business outside. No, you wouldn't think anything was wrong with her from watching her around the house. It's only if she walks far. And so that's good. Yeah, so we're just basically gonna make her comfortable. And so the problem with this is that I've had lots of dogs with lots of medical problems. I've never had a dog with this. And so I didn't really know like what were the things to look for. I knew kind of the common sense stuff. If uh, So if part of this clot breaks off and lodges someplace else, they'll get swelling, their legs will get hard. Um, Like the muscles will kind of tighten up. Um, Their legs can get cold because there's not a lot of blood flow. So it gets cold. They can't stand on them. They seem to have a lot of pain. Like that's all stuff I knew to look for, but I didn't know what else could be a symptom of this. And so last night, Maggie was kind of up panting all night, uncomfortable. And so I was up with her probably every 45 minutes. G. R. dad did at least one shift with her. Um, And probably at 4.45, I was like, I'm just going to take her to the emergency vet so at least they can tell me if this is related, if it's something that's problematic, do we need to adjust her medicine? And uh, they basically said it doesn't seem to be related to this. They told me all the stuff to look for, which fortunately is all the stuff I had already been looking for. So I had kind of figured it out, though I didn't know it. Um, None of the stuff that you'd expect to hurt from this seemed to be hurting her. So probably she's having some separate like arthritis pain. I mean, she definitely has arthritis. She's an old dog. So on one hand, that's good. I mean, we don't want her to have arthritis pain, but it's good that she's not having pain from this condition. And, uh, so anyway, we got yeah, her some- as with hormones.
1: a lot of sort of dog stuff, she's less affected than we are because she's not really worried about it. She's just doing her little dog thing and being sweet schmieg.
0: Yeah. So we uh, upped some of her medicine to hopefully make her more comfortable. And yeah, but overall she's happy and playing and seems to pretty much be her normal self. Um,
1: Still enjoys the carrots and her food and pets and everything's, you know, normal for her.
0: Yeah, last night, you know, like 3 a.m. when I was like, what is it that's bothering her? Like I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, I was like, maybe she's just super hungry. Cause they had like an early dinner and I was like, let me see if i giving her some food. Normally she eats from like the slow eating bowl. But I was like, well, it's three in the morning. Like I'm just going to put a scoop in like her normal, like a normal bowl. And she, she was just like, hum, hum. And then she didn't crunch a single kibble. She's just like, get as much in the mouth and swallow. And like, as it's on the way down, get another mouthful and try to swallow it again. Uh, she ate that food so fast. So yeah, (laughs) that was not the problem. She was very pleased to get like early (laughs) 3 a.m. breakfast. Yeah. So anyway, that's the situation with Smeag. Um, some dogs live a few years. It'd be great if that happens.
1: Uh, yeah, you never know.
0: And we there's, like, never nothing to do, right? We just are going to keep her comfortable.
1: Yeah, pay attention, feel her legs, give her lots of pets.
0: Yep. Yeah, massage doesn't really help with this. It's just we just hope that the Plavix works and hope that the thing doesn't come back, and we'll see. Hopefully we get some more info from the internist, though probably not. They yep. probably will just be keeping an eye on it
1: more schmeag wagon time for her.
0: She is definitely winning the battle for most love and attention these days in the household. Yep. She's getting everything she wants, which she deserves.
1: Yeah. Which she kind of got before, but now more so.
0: Now just a little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the Maggie situation?
1: No. I mean, you know, this is what you sign up for when you, a, you get a dog cause they don't live longer than we do. And then, course older dogs there's goldens are susceptible to all sorts of weird stuff mostly cancer
0: yeah it would not be surprising if it were some kind of cancer causing this but we don't know and we're not going to do a ton of work trying to figure it out because you know wouldn't change what we do with her she's
1: outlived many goldens already
0: yep and you can't really do anything to treat this anyway. So it doesn't matter if it's heart disease or kidney or cancer, it's still going to be a problem. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, sorry to start with like sad news, but that's the situation. Uh, thanks to a whole bunch of you sent her snacks after I announced, like I had, you know, put up the news that we got from the vet and then all of a sudden it was like Christmas and we got like 10 packages <laughs> with snacks from people. So thanks to all of you. I, w- I already sent you all thank you notes, but public thank you to the people who sent us
1: the snacks will be appreciated
0: yeah our dad went in the kitchen and he's like oh are we out of snacks and i was like oh no (laughs) the fans have sent shmeek snacks and she will share um yeah so there you go that's the maggie situation she's happy she's having a good time and uh we're gonna keep her as comfortable as we can for as long as we can
1: mostly sucks for us
0: sure does uh, okay, so we have a couple, we have three questions left over from the Q&As that came in late. And I thought we may as well throw those in because they're sort of interesting. There's good stories to go with all of them. They're good questions. Cool. You right? Cool. All right. So let's flip over here. Here we go. Question number one. Hey, GR mom and GR dad. I was wondering why Venkman's nickname is sometimes Venk with an E and sometimes Vink with an I, like on your license plate. My license plate is bank. <laughs> bank. it's my license plate is V I I I I and K. It's real easy to spot me in my big red Jeep and my VANG <laughs> license plate. <laughs> um, yeah, well it's because I sing songs about them all the time. All the dogs have songs. So the reason hopper is hopper T like hopper T on the property is because I was like, I had exploited all of the words that rhyme with hopper. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, like I need something else. And hopper, sh- I was calling her Hopper the dog and then Hopper T dog. And then I realized Hopper T rhymes with all kinds of stuff. Hopper T on the proper T.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so Vankman doesn't rhyme with anything.
1: Everyone knows it's from Ghostbusters Vankman, right?
0: Uh, hopefully all of you know, nobody in the actual world seems to know this, but no. hopefully you all know that it's Venkman after Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters, uh, is a great, great dog name.
1: Is he a good scientist?
0: He's a poor scientist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Venkman doesn't rhyme with anything. And so I was calling her Venk, but Venk doesn't rhyme with very much either. No. But Vink rhymes with everything. Think. Vink is a dink who makes a think. Want to take a drink. Yeah. Wash her in the sink. Kind of makes us think.
1: Something with stink, but that's not nice.
0: We haven't ever used stink. I haven't, at least.
1: No, I've re- rejected it. Thought it yeah. rejected it.
0: But we don't do any demeaning songs about the dogs. Mostly dink. Vink is a dink.
1: Yeah, which is not a real word, so that doesn't count as wrong.
0: Everybody knows, though. I mean, if you're like, oh, she's such a dink, they're like, oh, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> like... Uh, so yeah, so that's why like if Vink rhymed with a bunch of stuff, I don't think we would have ended up with Vink, but Vink doesn't rhyme with much. And so, <laughs> uh, Vink gave me ample material for all of my crazy song singing. So yeah. I think the the number one Vink song that I do, <clears throat> <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I know you are oh. ready, right? So, Cause it's got a high note. That's why I got to clear my throat. <sighs> all right. Vink. She is a dink who makes us think she is the (laughs) think, And we just sing that on repeat sometimes with other words. Fink, she is a dink, washing the sink, she is the fink. (laughs) I sing that song to her a lot. Uh, So anyway, that's why it's sometimes both. It is purely to facilitate my song singing, which I do all the time. Not all the time on the snaps, but all the time in the actual household.
1: Vink really doesn't react much to those songs, I gotta say. Vink doesn't react to much of anything, except when you say she's the moon, in which case she starts howling.
0: If you go Vink you're the moon, she'll perk up her head and she'll come over. And if I go Vink's the Moon, then she really comes over and starts jumping around yeah. and climbs on me and starts to howl.
1: Or if you say Mau Mau.
0: Yeah, Mau Mau also works. so oh, now
1: she's her <laughs> she kind of
0: heard us doing it and now she suddenly like popped her no, head I'm up. Sorry, Vink. Vink you're the moon. Uh oh. Let's see if we can get her to do it. Thanks, the moon. Oh, thank you, the moon. Job, oh, good really job. Good, right? And then when she's done, she has to like frantically lick the face of whoever's closest That's by. Really
1: well
0: done there. Sometimes she'll howl and also lick the face. Thank you, drink I love you too. You Thank did a good, good job. Good, good woke job. up face. just for that. That's great. Great, great, great. She loves to do it. It's like, I think, very cathartic for her.
1: think that was good radio. Yeah. Good job. So
0: people have been hounding us. So now we can be like. <laughs>
1: did
0: you say hounding? Oh, yeah. No, that was like an intentional pun. They was been retrievering you. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Vink's the moon.
1: Vink just collapsed back down the couch. Yeah, so she's like, a, okay. Took a lot out of her.
0: Yeah, she loves it. When she gets super wound up, if we do it, then she like, she's like, okay, I've had some release. <laughs> like, I'm good. You think that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm looking. So we're recording, and I'm looking at the the little line of our <laughs> recording, and there's a big, like, super loud patch where Vink was doing the moon.
1: Yeah, the audio levels went crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, that wasn't planned, but that's good. <laughs> Next question. What was the question about Vink.
2: Hello, GR mom and GR dad. This is Sam from Austin, Texas. Let's say we have a hypothetical situation where maybe one of you is giving pets and love and attention to, let's say, Queso, uh, because she is a good doggo and she's deserving of all the love and pets and attention in the world. And let's say Venk walks up and decides she wants pets and love and attention and so she just kind of inserts herself she like you know um, uh, nuzzles your hands and and whatever try to kind of you to get you to uh, pet her instead of queso um, in the snaps I've seen you know you always seem very patient but how do you respond in those situations and how do you make sure that all dogs get the love and attention that they deserve thank you.
0: So I think strategy number one is if you're petting one dog and another dog, and many of them do literally like jam themselves up <laughs> in the middle. Uh, you got two hands. You can handle two dogs. And between the two of us, we can handle four dogs. But Maggie is happy to be pet with your face. So you can just smash your face on Maggie and like rub it on her. And she thinks that's great. So four hands plus a face allows all dogs <laughs> to be pet. So that's one strategy.
1: Yeah. Hi, I hi uh uh we like Austin, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Shout um, out to Austin, Texas. Shout out to Austin. Yeah. Um, we're big fans.
1: Yep. I think he was asking on several levels, like the the pedagogical level too. Oh yeah. Hit me, what Harvard should, man. What should we <laughs> What should we be doing is different than what we do, right? I mean I think if we wanted to discourage the behavior, we would kind of ignore it and not give it any reinforcement and not give the dog any attention.
0: I want to encourage the behavior.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. We don't actually do that. But uh, so, yes, it's not hypothetical. This happens all the time, when especially when we're petting Queso, you know, because she's kind of quiet and shy, so you kind of walk over to Queso. And then usually, well, I was going to say, usually it's Hopper, but.
0: Oh, Maggie, too. Jasmine will do it, too. So
1: yeah, And they'll just kind of walk in between you and the dog being petted. But, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, try to give them both love or, you know, this is a dirty little secret, but sometimes we curse at the dogs, too, depending on how patient or impatient because they don't care. We can curse at them, and they still think it's, like, cool attention, but you can just tell them to go F themselves, and they don't, and then you just pet them. It's fine. Yep. Yeah, depending yep. on how patient we feel or how patient we don't feel. I mean, we don't put that on the Snapchats. That's not good snaps. I
0: maybe sometimes curse at think God damn it, think <laughs> Maybe I, that is something that is said frequently. Yes, in the it's household. a
1: nice release to be able to just freely curse at the dogs. Yep, and usually while petting them. Yep. So, so that's yeah, I probably do, I do two two hands. And one or two can lick my face at the same time. That's kind of like,
0: they'd like to pending. lick you better than they like to lick me. I think I sweat more. My masterclass tip is that if you get them to go right next to each other, you can kind of put your hand between them. And like, if they're touching, you can move your hand and you're petting both of them at the same time. <laughs> they, d- they don't suspect anything <laughs> when don't that happens. They don't suspect a thing. Yep. They're just like, Oh, I'm getting pets.
1: I think that's, I think they know. I think they know. They think it's weird. It's also not sustainable because they never stay like that.
0: Yeah. Well, you do what you can.
1: Hops immediately flops.
0: Yeah. Hops is like technique is to like she sits in front of you to pet her and then she like flops over like onto your feet, turns her like head up and gives you a pathetic look. So she really needs to be pet individually in her laying down position. She's so needy.
1: Yeah. So, well, you know, sometimes you do a full on pet of Hops and you disengage and do a full on pet of queso, and yeah. they'll just have to take their turn
0: indeed it it all seems to work i mean they all pretty much nobody ever ends up just walking away because they're like oh i'm being ignored now
1: right i mean right now i'm petting venk who's on the couch with my arm and i'm petting jasmine who's on the floor kind of with the tips of my toes because she's laying four feet away they
0: really like to lay just at the edge of your reach or stand (laughs) just at the edge of your reach like make you work for it so you
1: have to almost fall out of bed trying to reach them. yeah They're good at this. Very, very good at this.
0: Indeed. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Do do the best you can. All right, and then our last question. Hi, GR mom and GR dad. My name is Brooke.
1: My name is Riley. And we just wanted to, first of all, thank you for all of the happiness you bring us through your snaps and Instagram posts and Twitter posts of the girls. We greatly appreciate it in our everyday lives. And our question for you guys is, um, with the rescue process for Maggie and Jasmine and Queso, what were the differences in the acclimation process um, that the girls went through getting used to the house and Vink and Hopper. Um did you notice any differences of um Maggie and Jasmine versus Queso because oh and I also remember that um queso was also brought to the Keys after her adoption or her rescue. So we were just curious to see um the differences and the process of getting used to their new homes and um send all of our love and hugs to the girls from West Virginia and thank you. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Brooke and Riley uh, let me tell you the one thing for like these girls, but also all the fosters, the hardest initial thing for them to learn is how to get through our screen door in the back because we have a, the, so the door into our backyard,
1: It's like a screen curtain.
0: Yeah. It's, it kind of hangs from the top and it's split in the middle. Uh, and there's little magnets that hold it closed so they can kind of push their way in and out and then it closes itself and pretty much keeps the bugs out. And it's not perfect, but it's, like a good 95 percent, it works well it's way better than like getting up every time they want to go in or out um so it's sort of like a dog door but more secure in a way because nobody can get in there like in the middle of the night you have to have the door open
1: yeah but they have to learn they they need to push at what is a barrier right and it like splits apart as the magnets clip apart
0: yeah some dogs learn it right away but usually like all the fosters they show up and then they go there and Hops will go in and Vink will go in and they'll just stare there like, what just happened? <laughs> what is this devil mischief?
1: The gate is closed again. The <laughs> gate is closed.
0: And so usually for a couple days we have to like hold it open and then they sort of figure it out.
1: I still hold it open for Gazo. Well,
0: you're very indulgent. She I knows how know. to use it just fine. so good. <laughs> um, so that's just like a little thing, but that's always the biggest thing. Uh, it's, it's always funny when, uh, the guy who is transported over all of our fosters, uh, he comes and we, you know, we give him time. He probably stays for an hour and we let him wander around and get to know hops and bank. And it's always like, Oh, let's see if he can figure out the screen door. Can you get in there? <laughs> um, but Jasmine and Maggie, you know, when I tell the story of like getting them, cause they were just going to be fosters. I did not want more dogs. Uh, it really was like as soon as they got here they lived here they had a really like no acclimation time they just got here and they were like cool home right pretty yeah, much
1: they weren't real needy they weren't too anxious and maybe it's cuz they were together so it was somewhat familiar for them yeah, but really they didn't stress out about vankenhopper they were you know they they
0: really did just kind of settle in no muss, no fuss. Yeah, which is really unusual. The 12 fosters that we'd had before that, I mean, only one of them didn't get along with Hobson Bank, and that was just because he was super traumatized. He was a fine dog and he just needed time. But all the rest of them, no problems with Hobson Bank. That was sort of a criteria for us. But they were super anxious for a couple weeks, and it just. You know, I think like a lot of dogs, even if you like dog sit for somebody, you know, they bring their dog to your house, the dog kind of paces and is like panting and just a little like on edge and crazy. Most of the fosters are like that for a couple of weeks. Maggie and Jasmine, they were just like, cool. This place is great.
1: Yeah. We're in. Yeah. You knew they would belong
0: right away. I, I did. As soon as they showed up, I knew. Yeah. Uh, and then case was like the opposite end of the spectrum because all the other foster dogs after those two weeks, they were fine. Like they, All could have stayed. They were all really comfortable here. They had settled down. And then Queso, she was like totally different. So she got here, and if you guys followed, and it sounds like you two were following, you know, she just stayed in the dining room for the two weeks we were here before we left for the keys. She wouldn't come out. She wouldn't interact with anyone. She wasn't mean or snappy or whatever. She just like hid in the corner, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, she was so... She was like not disruptive or hard, high maintenance in some ways, but no. she was so sad and so withdrawn, mm-hmm. like so hopeless. It was re- that was really sad. But it, but it wasn't like difficult to handle her because she was so not making any demands at all.
0: Yeah. No, she'd eat her food. She'd go out and do her business and then she'd just go lay by herself. And even so we had her for two weeks and then we went down to the keys and 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 here here
1: she wasn't going down the stairs to the outside and, and we'd have to like boost her around. Yeah.
0: She couldn't even stand up really by herself. She was, and that's a, that's a common thing when dogs get depressed. If you have old dogs that get depressed, which totally happens, um, they'll have physical, I mean, for people too, they'll have physical declines. They'll have a lot of pain, like their abilities physically will go down And, uh, and that definitely was the case with her. Yeah. And, uh, so when we went down to the keys, we, you know, we stayed in, I guess, two Airbnbs on the way down. It was the same thing. Like she kind of found her corner and stayed there, but she'd like find a separate bedroom to be away by herself. Yeah. And, uh, and when we got to the keys, you know, at some point she, she would like in the morning come in our bedroom, just like barely inch in there. And it was like, Oh my gosh, like she's in the bedroom.
1: Yeah. But the big breakthrough was when I mean, we were in a house that in a Florida house, the keys house mm-hmm. that they, they have, they're just on the upper level. So in case of flooding, so they had this giant stairs, double staircase to go up stairs. And at some point she just started going up and down stairs. Yeah, we
0: couldn't find her. And it's cause she'd gone back upstairs where she couldn't even stand up before. So she was getting better, but it took her, I mean, even at the end of that trip, where we had then had her for over two months, she wasn't fully acclimated.
1: No, she would still lie away from everyone else. And yeah, she'd come into the bedroom, kind of say hi, and then it was like, you'd have a feeling it was too much, and she'd have to go back out into the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the first time she ever played with any of the dogs was the day we left. Like, we were loading stuff up in the car, and I think we basically had the cars loaded. We were getting ready to go, and G.R. Dad was down there, like by our cars and caught this great video of Jasmine and Queso playing. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like she actually knows how to interact with other dogs. It's like she
1: was learning it. It's not, you know, I don't know if she ever knew. I think she's learning,
0: but it wasn't a breakthrough. Like she didn't all of a sudden, like then she played all the time. It basically took until the beginning of this summer for her to really integrate where she's now she's playing with the girls all the time. And like we had the first, like recorded bark not that long ago, right? The queso bork. I was like, oh my God, it's the rarely heard queso bork and now like you can't shut her up.
1: Oh, it's not that bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She barked through the entire last podcast episode in the background. Yeah,
1: it's endearing.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I'm just saying she had barked like twice before that in the whole time we'd had her. It's almost like
1: she's getting younger. Like she's much more playful. She's chomped on a rubber bone the other day for the first time that we've seen, Mm -hmm. right? She's been not. Really into toys,
0: except the and one she ate.
1: Except the one she made <laughs> into for the an foreign an object option. into herself. That's true. But even that, it's like she doesn't know. Obviously, she doesn't know what to do with it, so she eats it. So yeah. I just feel like she's she was so sad and had like no toys and no expect no hope, no expectations, no love. Must have been terrible for her, you know, twelve years.
0: Yeah, just locked in the backyard, sleeping in the garage, Ugh. all alone. Uh, So it took six months, I would say, for her, like, really until, like, May, for her to kind of integrate. And, you know, now she'll come, especially when we're eating, but anytime she'll come up, be like, pet me. I mean, that never would have happened, even in March or April. Oh,
1: and she's got that happy gazo face. And, I mean, it's, I don't know, we're anthropomorphizing, right? But she looks happy. (laughs) She looks sort of carefree.
0: Everybody who takes care of her, she gets acupuncture now the vet, everybody is just like, oh, you know, she looks younger every time we see her. Yeah, uh, She's really just like such a happy dog now. She's happy all the time. She's
1: got a little goofy play friend in Vank. It's yeah. always up for getting her face chomped.
0: Queso plays the most of anyone. Sometimes if Vank is like, d- Vank <laughs> is always up to play, but sometimes she's like, oh, I'm chewing a bone right now. Like, I'm too distracted. And Queso's like, who else can I get to play? And she's like, barking at Jasmine. She'll chomp. Jasmine usually won't <laughs> Play with her and she's like, "Can I jump on your head?" No. All right. And she'll right. bark at Hops and Hops so just like lays there. Sometimes
1: Hops lies and rolls on her back and will yeah. like accept the chomp.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they were really like total opposite ends of the spectrum. Maggie and Jasmine more close to normal. Usually it's one or two weeks before the foster settle in. Uh, so Kesa was an extreme case, but she also had a really extremely terrible life. She wasn't beaten or anything, but she was completely ignored, and not loved I I
1: think depressed is a good
0: totally depressed uh,
1: diagnosis yeah Yeah. so oh hi uh, shout out to West Virginia home of Matt Nelson the dog father
0: father Zoe she's near you
1: yes (laughs) in in spirit and geographically
0: so there you go that's our three remaining questions that people asked anything else you want to add about the girls stuff that's gone on updates
1: no, thanks for the treats. They will be much appreciated.
0: Indeed. And for those of you who don't want to send treats, which is fine, because now we have a bunch of treats, um, reminder that we have a sponsor for the podcast. I've forgotten the last couple of episodes that we have a sponsor, but we do. Audible is our sponsor. They do audiobooks, and if you want a free audiobook, you can sign up through our link, which is audible.com slash the golden ratio, and they will give you a free audiobook and they'll give us some money and it will help support the podcast. So that's good. Um we were talking before, like what's a book that I'm gonna recommend. And I'm gonna recommend another running book because that's all I'm reading these days. I am reading this book. We talked about this before, the fixing your feet book. I'm halfway through on like how to put tape on my feet and not mm. get blisters. It's got some real gruesome pictures in it, but they don't have this as an audiobook. Um
1: because it would be all pictures of beat up feet.
0: There it's a lot of beat up feet pictures in there. It's very, very informative. Uh but I just listened to the audiobook of uh Corey Reese, who is a guy who runs ultramarathons. He just finished one, a hundred mile ultramarathon, that he made up himself. He was the only person who ran it. I think that he called it the Donut Run in Ohio. It ran past twelve donut shops where he stopped and had donuts at everyone. Uh He's done the Hostess 100, which is another ultramarathon he made up himself. It's 100 miles, and he just eats like Little Debbie's and things and Twinkies <laughs> and Ho-Hos. It's uh, not
1: all about food, is it?
0: No, no, most of it's not. But he's a, he's a kind of crazy dude, and he runs lots of these 100-mile races. And so his book is called Nowhere Near First, like Tales from the Back of the Pack, because he's not like an elite super fast runner, uh, though he's faster than me, I'm pretty sure. So I've not run that distance yet, a couple more months, and then I'll try it. Um, but anyway, his book is wonderful, and it's sort of about how he went from like not running at all to uh, running ultramarathons. And in the Dog Connection, he's got a great Instagram account. He posts all these pictures of him like jumping in the middle of crazy places while he's running. But he also has pictures of him and his dog running. He has a Great Dane whose name is Little Debbie, like the snack cake. The and dog is not little. The dog is not at all little. But the dog's name is Little Debbie, which is uh, my kind of dog name. Yep. And uh, and they run together sometimes. And uh, anyway, the book is great and like really inspirational, even if you don't want to run crazy long distances, just talking about enduring things and toughing it out and finding happiness and stuff. And yeah.
1: And I'm going to plug that movie, The Barkley, again, Barclays. Barkley, Barkley Marathon. Barkley the Marathon. race that
0: eats its young.
1: It's just a great... I, I think about it all the time. It's, it's on like, Netflix. If if you're at all interested in watching people... Suffer. Yeah, kind of self-inflicted suffer, but it's got just a great mix of characters. The guy who puts on the race is this total personality who's...
0: Lazarus is his name.
1: Wor- of course. It's just worth watching him. He's just compelling, and it's about this race that's eh, somewhere over 100 miles
0: <laughs> It's supposed to be exactly a hundred and it's more it's like one hundred twenty
1: there's no it's a cr- it's crazy, but but very entertaining, very well done, and it's just uh, you follow the runners it's cool
0: and the guy Lazarus, the guy who organizes the race, uh, he was a big runner for a long time, but he's getting older. he also smokes like a lot <laughs> and so he can't run anymore, though I think that's more the age and joints thing and not the smoking thing but he just like last month finished a walk across the country like he walked from maine i think to oregon sounds like he walked like along route 90 route 20
1: yeah but interstate 90
0: yeah but he like literally walked on us 20
1: oh that is more accurate the
0: whole way yeah that was his thing uh so that was interesting and he has like almost no social media he had some weird blog and like random people including me part of the time were like up Dating his status, but it was like very old school, just like him on the road, uh, smoking a cigarette, like wearing his white shirts and his flannels, which is what you pay the entry fee to the Barkley Marathons race. So you have to bring him a flannel shirt. That's crazy. Uh, and a license plate. I think. And a license plate from your state. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. Watch the Barkley Marathons movie on Netflix, and uh, if you want a little more. Running slash life inspiration, and you're not tired of me talking about running books yet. Uh, Corey Reese he's written two books. One is Nowhere Near First, which is the one I'd recommend starting with, and then his second book is called uh, like Into the Furnace or something, and it's about running the uh, Badwater 135, which is a race that goes from the Badwater Basin, which is 250 ish feet below sea level. It's the lowest point in the continental U.S. in the middle of Death Valley, and it the race goes from there for 135 miles to almost up to the top of Mount Whitney, which is the tall, the highest point in the continental U S but it stops. You don't run There's 11 more miles to the peak and the national park service won't let them run that anymore. So you stop a little bit before that, but it's basically like, it's like 125 degrees during the race in death Valley. And you run like 70 miles through death Valley and then you go over three mountains and this it's is like where people melt their shoes. Their shoes literally melt. His shoes literally melted in the race. Unbelievable. Uh, it's like on my fantasy list of ultras. Like if all goes well and my training progresses as I would like it to in a couple years, I would love to be able to do that race. Like I have a long way to go before I'm ready for it, but I would love to do it.
1: I, and I'm never going to do it, but I get it. I totally get it. The fascination.
0: Yeah. There's also, uh, I think, Running on the Sun is the name of the documentary about that. I think you can definitely watch it for free, I think, on YouTube. Um, and it's great. So if you want to get a sense of that, uh, you can watch it there. Uh, so Corey Reese also, he ran that race and wrote a book about that. I think it's called Into the Furnace. But read the Nowhere Near First one first. And he actually does the reading on the audiobook. And so I was like, this is a weird voice person they have doing this. Like I listened to a ton of audiobooks. I'm like, this doesn't sound like any people who read audiobooks." and it's cause it's him. It's the guy who wrote the book reading it. <laughs> uh, but he does a good job. He's got a good sense of humor. So, um, if you need a, a selection for a long drive or for your commute, I'd put it on your list. And it was good. Uh, do you have a German word of the week?
1: Uh, Wiedervereinigungstag.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. it is Talk, talk to
1: Shout out to all Germans Schland. in Schland. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah, the October 3rd is German uh, Reunification, Reunification Day.
0: Reunification Day. Day. So Tell the kids what that means, because <laughs> I think most of our listeners don't know. Well, when
1: I grew up, there were two Germanys. There was West Germany that was, what is, uh, Democratic Germany that, that was, you know, part of NATO and part of the West. And then there was the Soviet part of Germany, East Germany. And there was a wall between the two.
0: This happened because, like, if you haven't gotten that far in your history classes yeah. yet, this happened because there was this thing called World War II. And when the war ended, the, uh, the U.S., the British, the French, and the Soviets divided Germany up into four parts that they were going to be in charge of. And France, the U.K., and the U.S. merged their parts. and Gave it back, essentially. Essentially gave it back. And the Soviet Union stayed in control of their part. But then also in East Germany, which was the Soviet part, was Ber- the city of Berlin. And Berlin also got divided up into four parts. And the U.S. and France and the U.K. merged their parts, which was West Berlin. And then there was East Berlin, controlled by the Soviets. And, yeah, the Soviets put a wall up through the middle
1: of Berlin. To, the to Berlin keep, Wall! To keep people... Well, they first they put a wall up between East and West Germany... To keep people from leaving, because all the East Germans were leaving, going to West Germany to get away from the Soviets. Um, and so they built a wall there. And then, they, uh, yes, they also built a wall between East and West Germany. But you had essentially a wall around West Germany that was, it was like this little island. Yeah. And then, it, and twice the Soviets blockaded Berlin and wouldn't let supplies in by train and by car.
0: Then you get the Berlin airlift. So the
1: two airlifts, so the, so the Allies, mostly the Americans flew in supplies for the city of Berlin for like a year. Um, so the Germans really like the Americans actually. Don't and let them tell you otherwise.
0: If you want a movie depiction of this, that Tom Hanks movie, Bridge of Spies yeah. takes place like uh, as it's so the Berlin wall is going up in the beginning of that movie. Yeah. 62,
1: right. With the U2. Yeah. Guy.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's a, a good movie to check out if you want to learn about all this. But anyway, when I was in elementary school, probably, uh, the Berlin wall fell. Like the, the people were like, fuck you wall. And they like, I don't know for, I was very young, but for me, it was like one day they showed up and they just started beating on it until it fell down.
1: (laughs) Wasn't quite like that, but the East German government kind of didn't know what to do. There were all these giant protests in East Germany. And they became more and more regular. And the Soviets didn't really do anything. They were on the way out then, and too. So the East German government at some point said, uh, we'll let people go to the West, I guess, if they want. And then somebody asked them, well, when's that going to start? And the m- guy at the press conference was like, I guess now, immediately? And so everyone ran rushed to the border. And was like, they said we can leave if we want. And they w- went across. And people were sitting on the border. And the border guards kind of... Threw their weapons down, and were like we're not shooting people today. They <laughs> sledgehammered the, um, sledgehammer to it the was wall. Totally crazy. It was absolutely crazy that it that it happened bloodlessly, um, because it was there. And you mean, you find out later there were truckloads of Soviet troops and East German troops with you know fully loaded weapons and ready to go to like you know just start shooting all the protesters, but the order never came, so they were just kind of hanging out in their trucks waiting yeah um and, and you know once the tv cameras and everyone came then it would have been a a disaster for the eastern government to start killing people so nobody really wanted to make that decision so then east germany just kind of opened up and then the government fell and was replaced and then there was a always a provision in the west german constitution to unify the country you know to like Expand to the eastern parts, which were always considered Germany under the constitution. It was weird. Like they'd saved uh, license plate codes for the East German cities when they when they set set up the license That's plate cool. codes in Germany. They're like, oh, Berlin's going to be this, and Dresden's going to be this, and Leipzig's going to be this, even though it was East Germany in a different country. So it was, it was really cool. Very amazing. It was in 1989, the wall fell, and then 1990, 90, October 3rd of 1990, it was officially the day that. Uh, Germany became one Germany again. So it's very cool. So shout out to Germans.
0: That's right. So it it has just been German reunification day. One of the first kind of once we were more seriously dating dates we went on was to the reunification day party at the German embassy here in in Washington. It was a good party. It was a good party. I was like, oh, there's perks of dating this guy. He gets invited (laughs) to the embassy party. Uh, so there's some embassy parties if you're in DC that you can just go to, like you can buy tickets. We went to a champagne party at the French embassy, buy tickets. Um, but then there are invite only parties and the reunification party is Uh, invite only. Yeah, it is. So, uh, anyway, good job, Schlond.
1: Yep. Good job.
0: Uh, so, okay, good. That's a good German word, and we got some books. We got all kinds of stuff for y'all this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Schmieg sends her thanks for all of your well wishes, and we will, of course, keep you updated in all the usual places. Yep. Uh, so, G.R. Dad and I are off to run the Chicago Marathon this weekend. We'll see some of you there. Some people have made signs for the marathon with the girl's picture on them. We'll give you full marathon updates in the next episode of the podcast Though we will have already run it by the time you hear this one.
1: My prediction, it's a training run for Jen and it's going to suck for
0: me. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.